0: Join the guild and secure your ticket to Scottsdale at the best possible price by visiting MaxLawEvents.com.
1: Well, I think that the key to that in any industry is you have to create kind of a unique value proposition. I mean, you, you have to create something that you're known for. I think you have to actively figure out what that is and, and cultivate that. I think that you have to develop a, a story that's understandable. You know, we want to be known as problem solvers, and that's a reputation that we've actively cultivated. And the other is to make complex things
2: simple. Run your law firm the right way. The right way. This is the Maximum Liar Podcast. Maximum Liar Podcast. Your hosts Jim Hacking and Tyson Mutrix. Let's partner up and maximize your firm. Welcome to the show. Welcome back to the Maximum Lawyer Podcast. I'm Jim Hacking,
3: And I'm Tyson Udrichs. What's up, Jimmy?
2: I am in Chile, Cincinnati. Tyson, I'm getting ready for a naturalization interview in about an hour and a half, but I'm excited to record today's episode before we
3: start. That's much better than St. Louis. St. Louis has one to four inches coming. I'm in Columbia right now. Tomorrow, I will be in Orlando because we're going to Disney World. So tomorrow, I won't have to worry about any snow. And you'll be stuck in Cincinnati or St. Louis or some other cold place. So that warms my heart.
2: Yeah, I went ahead and checked out the weather in San Diego today. It's going to be sunny in 72, which, of course, is my long-term goal to get out to San Diego. So I was laughing at all the people back in St. Louis under the snow, but thinking to myself, boy, I'm going to be back there tonight, and it's not fun.
3: So I don't know if people know this about you, like your dream, I know some people do, but I don't think most of the listeners, I don't think you talked about it on the podcast, but your dream is to get to San Diego and live in San Diego. So I think we're going to have to have a talk about that sometime on the podcast. we can got kind of to dig deep on that thing.
2: That'd be great. Our guest today is Chip Munn. He's with Signature Wealth Strategies. He and I met at Strategic Coach earlier this year. We had a great lunch together and we've been corresponding ever since. Chip has found his way to listen to some of our podcasts, and I thought it'd be great to have him on the show. It's always good to hear what people are doing from other industries, and Chip and I have been talking back and forth through email
3: about the things that we could talk about today. So, Chip, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks. Long-time listener, first-time caller. All
3: right, so, Chip, normally my first question to the guest is I say, hey, just say what you do, and I'm not going to do that. I'm actually going to change it up a little bit because I get this frustration because You're a financial advisor, I guess is what I would call you, but you may have a different title for yourself. And I've met with several financial advisors because whenever I meet with my clients for the last time for that case, it's usually to give them a check. And the check is usually a pretty good sized check. And to me, that's a perfect time for me to introduce a financial advisor and sort of get that advisor in with that client to tell them how to plan their money and not to lose all their money. And none of them seem to get it. I, it's so crazy to me. Or say, some say they get it, but some aren't willing to take that extra effort to actually meet with the client uh, during that time. So I wanted to get your thoughts on that. And then you can talk about what you actually do. But what are your thoughts on that?
1: You know, it's interesting. I think that generally speaking, and I've mentioned this, I think probably in our emails to Jim, I think the financial advisors a lot of times feel the same way about attorneys. And first, I'm sorry you had a bad experience. I'd like to tell you we're not all that way. And, and that's part of what I think the issue is, is oftentimes between the professions, just understanding what one another do and having a relationship can really be real beneficial. I, I think that, you know, a financial advisor's job is to solve problems and for folks coming into a situation like what you're talking about, in a lot of cases, you know, we would call it sudden money, you know, a big check in a lot of cases, more than most folks have gotten all at one time. And I think it's uh, really important probably for you to find the right advisor or advisors to know that when, you know, when you're going to make that introduction that you're dealing with somebody who is prepared to help your client with with kind of those next steps because it is a big deal. I mean if you've ever gotten a a tax refund or, you know, a, a small inheritance even, let's say, you know, most people it's easy come, easy go. And and I think that for a lot of folks coming out of maybe a case, you know, that's money that they've gotten to be able to take care of themselves. And it's a pretty important so for you to to feel like you can hand it off to somebody who's understanding and capable is a is a really big deal, and, and that's a
2: failure on their part, frankly. Chip, let's do step back a little bit. Tell us a little bit about your life after college and how you sort of built your business.
1: Sure. Well, I am an alumni of uh, elementary school education. I taught school. I went to Clemson University, got a degree in elementary ed, taught school. For the first year, I was a 22-year-old teaching 12 year olds and as you can imagine that didn't go particularly well you know we like the same kind of music the same kind of video games and discipline was tough and so by christmas time i knew that uh, this was not something that i was going to be able to continue and i, I really i didn't feel like i could sit still in a classroom you know long enough to get a pension and so after the first half of the year, you know, in, in teaching, you have to let the administration know about spring break, whether or not you're going to come back and I let them know in April that, yeah, I wasn't going to be back. And frankly, I didn't know what I was going to do, but I knew that, uh, yeah, I knew that I wasn't going to do that and that wasn't going to be my career. And so we have a, my family uh, had a, an experience with the death tax back in the early nineties where we literally lost the family farm to the death tax, had to sell a, a 200 acre, 250 acre track of land in order to be able to sell or enable to pay the death tax uh, back in the early nineties. And so when I got out of teaching, I had a real interest in planning, actually took the LSAT. Uh, turns out that if you get a elementary ed degree from Clemson, the University of South Carolina Law School is not real friendly on letting you into law school. So wanted to be a lawyer. They didn't agree with my assessment as to what my ability might be. And so planning was, was kind of the – that was the interest of mine to begin with and, and met some folks in the you know, investment and financial services industry and found out that that was another route that I could use to, you know, to get into – Helping folks plan for and and you know work around, if you will, some of the estate tax issues that my family had dealt with. And so that was in '98. Got a job with a small regional kind of broker dealer. Worked with them for years, and then uh, about three years ago, my partners and I opened our own independent firm. And so I spent kind of my my career. I partnered up with two guys who they liked the investment management part. That never really was, you know, when you're 22 years old getting in the investment business, the notion of, you know, somebody your parents' or grandparents' age giving you their life savings and and thinking that you're going to be the person picking, you know, the stocks back then was not something that most people were particularly excited about. And so we kind of took the approach that I would handle the planning for all the clients and they would deal with, the investments, and 20 years later, we've essentially built our practice out kind of in that multidisciplinary way, where uh, we each kind of uh, specialize in in doing what it is that we do, all for the same group of people.
3: The chip Jim and I used to be in a in a mastermind with a financial advisor, really good guy, and he was always talking about all these obstacles that you all face when it comes to marketing, and it was just it was always a headache in our masterminds because. We would say, Well, you should do this and you'd say, Well, I can't because of this law and then we'd say, Well, you should do this and you'd say, Well, we can't I can't because of this law or or my company won't let me. Well, you talk a little bit about how you deal when it comes to marketing with with, with different regulations and things you can't do and, and sort of how you get around those? Sure.
1: Well, it's not easy all the time. I mean there are a lot of things that you know, I've listened to all of you guys, you know, all of your podcasts and you share a lot of real innovative stuff and and your listeners do a a lot of really cool things. And, and some of those things, you know, SEO, some of those things that we can do, we really have, our biggest issue is in advertising at any time. If we go anywhere near things like investment recommendations or talking about returns, those kinds of things, you know, pretty much off limits for the most part. The, The biggest thing like with anything, I think is, Is understanding what the rules are and understanding what the regulators are trying to protect people from and doing a good job staying a long way uh, away from there you know historically we've always done a lot of I, i think one of your recent episodes uh featured somebody talking about relationship marketing and and really getting out in the community and we we've always done a lot of that in the last year or two we really have tried to Go into the digital space not nearly as well as you know Jim and his his YouTube channel or or some of the things that that your other guests have done, but we have found that content creation and really going out and creating things that are valuable for both clients as well as other professionals is is something that even our compliance department has a hard time you know having a problem with, and so we've got a lot of rules. I mean, and a lot of um, it's not like we can just take a video with our cell phone and just post it directly, you know, like you can in a lot of industries. We have to run it through a couple of things, you know, but like with anything else I've found over the years in running a business, if we create the right system, it doesn't have to be hard. Uh I have found a lot of folks in our business, you know, financial services is really slow to adopt. New technology as an industry. And I think that, uh, you know, a lot of folks, frankly, just don't want to develop the systems. You know, you can anymore. I mean, we can shoot a video with a cell phone, edit it, submit it, and, and within, you know, 36 to 48 hours, you know, we can have good content. It just takes longer and you have to be more committed to it, I think. But it is definitely a situation where. We've got to be more careful than a lot of people do.
2: That would really bum me out if I wasn't able to shoot my videos quickly and had to get review. But I understand, and Tyson's right, when we used to have that mastermind group and we would talk to our friend uh, Jim about all the hurdles he had, I was like, it really made my skin crawl. But I, I understand it. So let me ask you this, Chip. How do you stand out? Because maybe maybe this is all a good example for our lawyers that, you know, to me, financial advisors one, they sort of speak a language that I don't always understand. Two, I just want to give my money to someone and have them manage it. I'm not one of these guys that's checking the stock market every day to see how my money's doing. And as long as I sort of know that it's going in the right direction, when I meet once or twice a year, I'm happy. So I think it would be hard with the restrictions that you have and with so many different options and people that do things slightly differently. And then they're always, some are affiliated with big companies that you've heard of. Some are not affiliated and they're sort of smaller shops. How in the world can someone like you stand out?
1: Well, I think that the key to that in any industry, and I've mentioned to you, Jim, our our industries, I think are incredibly similar in a lot of ways, is you have to create a kind of a unique value proposition. I mean, you, you have to create something that you're known for. I think you have to actively figure out what that is and, and cultivate that. I think that you have to develop a, a story that's understandable. Yeah, you know, I think it was Jobs that said, simplicity is the ultimate form of sophistication. And I think that, you know, two key things for any financial advisor to do, and really for us, what we've tried to develop kind of as our, reputation. You know, the first is we solve problems. And so whatever the problems are, whether they are financial or otherwise, oftentimes, you know, we want to be known as problem solvers. And that's a reputation that we've actively cultivated. And the other is to make complex things simple. And, you know, for most folks, whether they're like you, in the I, I just want to hand it over to somebody and let them handle it or you know whether they're more particular ultimately they just want to understand the process you know and i do think that you know a benefit for me personally having been an elementary educator is i try really hard and, and we all deal with the curse of knowledge you know but i try really hard to make sure that without speaking down to anybody that we're breaking the concepts down to something that they can understand. And and I think that, you know, for us, cultivating the reputation of problem solver is is a big deal. You know, for me, our goal as a company is to be our client's, you know, third phone call. I don't know if you guys have read anything about uh, Howard Schultz, probably have, I'm sure, you know, but his kind of philosophy with Starbucks was that they wanted to be their customers third place. You know, they were going to go to work and they were going to go home. They wanted to be the, the third place. And, and for us, we assume most of our clients, if something if something went wrong, you know, they, they'd probably call their spouse or their partner or their kids first. We just want to be the third phone call and be able to, to solve whatever the problems are. And, and I think that for us, that, that's been something that we've been able to cultivate over the years And it's something that is very much a differentiator, kind of that concierge level of, you know, problem solving and service is something that makes us different and it makes us preferable.
3: So you and Jim met at Strategic Coach, I believe. So will you talk a little bit about your experience with Strategic Coach and just your thoughts on it?
1: Sure. I was introduced to the Strategic Coach concept by a friend probably – five or six years ago and really in talking to him we we got along you know i mean we saw eye to eye business wise but the interesting thing for me was i called him one late one afternoon and he said i'd love to talk to you but i am headed out on a date night with my wife we're gonna have to catch up another time and talking with him later you know that was something that he said that he had developed as a result of strategic coach concept of free days taking time off of work and yeah you know, as a dizzy entrepreneur that was something that really seemed attractive to me it wasn't just the, the notion of growing the business it was the idea of being able to cultivate some additional i'll call it control kind of for the rest of, of life and putting some boundaries up and really thinking through the process, not only of business growth, but also growing in my personal life. And that was what attracted me to it. I have really enjoyed the program here in this first year, just because it has uh, helped me think about things differently. And my experience has been, even though it's a, you know, it's a sizable investment, has created a, a really big r- result. You know, we're in a knowledge for profit business, all of us. And so uh, small tweaks in our thinking can often be in- incredibly profitable. And so, you know, I found it to be a very good investment for me in terms of that. And not only that, I got to meet Jim. And uh, and here we are. So it been good.
2: Of course, that's the greatest reward of all. No uh, question. Chip, tell us about growth. How have you experienced growth? What's your mindset with growth and how have you built your team?
1: Sure. Well, yeah, over the years, one of the biggest issues that we had was being affiliated with a larger company. You did have a lot of constraints to growth, particularly as it pertained to expanding our footprint. And so you know, it was a situation where other folks would say, you know, give you all kinds of things that you you couldn't do, and, and I don't take no for an answer real well. And so, three years ago, you know, one of the things we knew, I, my partner and I are, you know, mid 40s, and the average financial advisor today is about 59. And what we knew as a as a trend was that there were a lot of advisors who were getting close to wanting to exit out of the business and in their 60s and there were a lot of advisors uh, or one of the advisors in their 20s who wanted to be in the business but they couldn't really get together and we had had success training younger advisors and so three years ago we opened uh, Signature Wealth Strategies with the idea that we wanted to be able to expand our practice to be able to find older advisors who wanted to eventually transition out and leave a legacy and they didn't either have the time or the inclination to train young people to come in and, and run their practices and so we felt like we could build a bridge in between those two groups of people you know we had developed some experience there and we're headquartered if you will in Florence South Carolina which is yeah it's a a nice size town but it's not a big place so at some point your your growth is constricted to some point just by you know where you are and so we felt like growing our geographic footprint would be important and so we started signature in february of 2016 with an office in florence added a partner who is more of a a professional uh, manager, if you will, and now we have eight offices in North and South Carolina and Kentucky, and have, you know, over the last three years, we've purchased three practices. Third one will be in January, and that'll be the third young advisor that we've placed into a legacy practice to go and and run those practices using, you know, systems have been a big thing for us, growth-wise, just developing how it is that we do things and being able to teach that to other people and and let them, younger folks, and just let them, you know, they don't have to figure out how to run the business. They just have to go out and spend their time meeting with and taking care of clients. And so, I guess if you want numbers-wise, I think that we in when we founded Signature in 2016 we had roughly 300 million dollars in assets under advisement or care and today we're about 1.1 billion so it's been um yeah it's been a really cool ride so far but most of it's just built on you know the e-myth and built to sell concepts of Developing systems, figuring out how it is that that you work with clients, and then and then teaching other
3: people. It's
1: been been you know a lot of work, but re- relatively simple.
3: Chip, so you're doing well, right? So if, if things seem to be going in the right direction. And whenever things like that happen, I think sometimes we we start to forget about some of our goals. And so here's my question for you: What is something you want to accomplish by the end of the year for mid November? what is something you want to accomplish before december 31st
1: by the end of the year i'd like to have you know one of the problems with with growth is when you grow a lot really fast you can get a little bit sloppy in some of your documentation and systems and so a big thing for us between now and the end of the year and then into 2019 is taking a bit of a breather and making sure that you know we are going back and making sure everything's documented right from a systems perspective when you go in for example and you know purchase and, and kind of take over the operation of an office there's a lot that goes into that and we want to make sure that we don't miss anything and that nothing slips through the cracks so a big thing for us between now and the end of the year is going back and doing uh, that cleanup a second thing if i can give two is to complete kind of our digital funnel so our marketing funnel is you know we've been actively working on that updated our website and now we want to really kind of get that ready for 2019 to be ready to execute on a you know a content funnel to make sure that we are able to get those you know information pieces you know the content out and really get to a place where we have a better process of bringing in lead generation through the web.
2: Chip, I know one of the things that we spoke about was sort of a Maximum Advisor podcast or sort of some coaching for people that want to do what you do, and I was wondering, are there people in your space that sort of teach financial advisors how to run an office or how to market themselves, and if not, have you made any progress on moving into that space yourself?
1: yes there are a lot you know one of the things in the financial advice space is there are a lot of folks who coach financial advisors most of them haven't necessarily been financial advisors You know, they and and i have a coach so i've worked with a lot of them you know the big difference is they aren't necessarily still doing it every day so i think we can all learn from folks there is a definitely a yeah, you know, one of the things that I found in mentioning the, the concept and I did buy the URL while we were together, I, I want to say for the record, I have Jim's permission to buy the URL is the, yeah, uh, you know, I love the community aspect of what you guys have done. I, I think more than anything else, being able to bring together attorneys and share ideas is fantastic. I did write a book on kind of my journey. I wrote for younger advisors who were looking to you know to break into the business and kind of how to get started or you know for i guess more legacy advisors could read it in terms of how to work with younger people and transition towards what it is that you know a lot of guys in our business who are older still have more that uh you know investment only mindset rather than the planning and to outline some of that and so It is something that I've kind of taken some steps towards. I haven't taken the the plunge on the podcast, but I am hoping to do that in in 2019, really with the goal as much as anything of, I'd love to see us develop something really similar to what you guys have, have built from a community standpoint. I just, I'm an interloper in the Facebook group and love to listen to you know, your group sharing ideas, and I just think there's a tremendous amount of value in uh, having that abundance mindset and sharing with one another. I think that, that everybody gets better as a result of it.
3: Shit, the, the most important thing that we ever did was start that Facebook group. I mean, it, it, I've, I've called this a crowdsourced podcast for, for quite a while. It's because it's, it's about the community. It's about getting people involved and sharing the ideas, and so you're absolutely right. I encourage you to maybe adjust your goals by the end of the year and maybe make it that you go ahead and record a couple episodes and get that Facebook group started because you're a financial advisor and you listen to this podcast. What's to stop them from doing it? So, you, you might want to uh, I want to go ahead and jump uh, jump on that and get started. I, 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 there's no reason to delay, in my opinion. Go ahead and start recording, okay. get it done, and, and get going. All right. So, I'm going to wrap things up. Please Go to iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. Please give us a five-star review. I want to shoot those things up by the end of the year and knock off some of the other competitors that we technically have, even though we don't really get paid for this. But we still, I still consider them as competitors. I'd like to get more reviews from them. So if you don't mind going there, and giving uh, us a review, and then like just like what we're talking about, like, go to the Facebook group. If you're listening to this and I've been listening to this for a while, and you've you've not joined the Facebook group, you are missing out on so much information that listeners just give on a daily basis. If you've been listening for a while and you've not been in the group, you'll you, you it'll blow your mind when you jump in the group and look at all the topics that are discussed. So I definitely definitely encourage you to do that. Jimmy, what's your hack of the week? I was lucky enough
2: to have my buddy Kelsey Bradshaw in town this week helping me as we migrate out of Infusionsoft. And he's always a wealth of tips and hacks. And so one of the small little things that he showed me is that if you use Chrome like I do, I'm in Chrome all day long, that if you right-click on a tab, you can mark pin tab. And if you pin the tab, then whenever you open your browser, it's always open. It's a minimized tab over on the left, and you can always find it. So you can sort your pin tabs. It's sort of better than open on Chrome, but it's it's there sort of all the time. So I I found that real helpful.
3: Very good. And Kelsey, hopefully this week is going to build out the registration page so people can start to sign up for the conference right jimmy
2: yeah so i have like a lot of work to do by monday but then after that that's going to be our project
3: okay so jimmy promised me he didn't promise me i asked for it to be done this week and he didn't really promise he's sort of been beating around the bush i'm gonna stay on him and hopefully we can get something up there but maybe it's next week so all right chip you got a tip or a hack for us I do.
1: Two things, if I could, before that. Um, if any of your folks, one of the things that uh, we have found is that it is incredibly helpful for clients when attorneys and financial advisors can collaborate so that they're getting uh, one uh, consolidated, uh, if you will, piece of advice. You know, the worst thing for somebody getting a settlement is you get conflicting advice from from professionals. If any of your listeners have an interest in brainstorming on how they might better work with financial advisors, you know, that's something that I like to collaborate on. And so they can go to our website, which is signaturewealth.com slash referral, and I'll be happy to do a quick brainstorming call with them if they want to meet or come up with some ideas on how to get more referrals uh, from advisors in their area and as far as a tip i thought about this because i have listened and i don't know if you guys have ever used uh, there's a product called rocketbook rocketbook is a rewritable notebook that you can uh, use that allows you to scan documents directly into a folder of your choice whether it's dropbox or email the website is getrocketbook.com and I've used that a lot for meeting notes and things like that. There's a little icon at the bottom that you basically bubble in and you scan it with your phone and it'll go directly into a Dropbox folder or email it to yourself or to a group of people. It's a really neat uh, application for those of us who take a lot of meeting notes.
3: Excellent stuff. That's a really good one. And then, Chip, we might want to have you on. Occasionally, I'll do a a conference call with PI attorneys that are listeners and It may be good to have you on for for some conversation early in next year. So I'll talk to you about that offline. Sure. Jim, so your uh, tip was pretty awesome because mine is also a Chrome hack. So if you've ever gone to some website and you're looking for an email address and you want to actually use that email address and just click on it and have your Gmail open up, there is a way of doing that. So if you open up your Gmail inbox, there should be a couple double diamonds at the end of the URL box on the right side, if you click on that, and it gives you the option for you to um, basically open your email whenever you click a link, choose that option. Something that was frustrating for me on my Mac is that whenever I would click the link, an email uh, link, it would actually open up my my Mac Mail, and I I, I never use that. I've never used it. I've never synced my inbox or anything like that. But if I if I if you do that, click the double diamonds, then that allow your Gmail to open up automatically to that email address. So it's, it's a nice little little hack, nice little, uh, nice little trick so you can just easily open that email. You don't have to copy, paste it into a new email box or anything like that. So it's pretty nice. So Chip, thank you so much for coming on. It's been really, really great. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks, buddy.
2: Thanks for listening to the Maximum Lawyer Podcast. Maximum Lawyer Podcast. To stay in contact with your host and to access more content... More content. Go to MaximumLawyer.com Have a great week and catch you next time.